Welcome to the Self-Care Club Authors Special. We are delighted to invite Nancy Levin onto the show today. We've been reading her book all month, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free, The Ultimate Guide to Telling the Truth, Creating Connection and Finding Freedom. Nancy Levin is a master coach and best-selling author of several books, including her latest, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. Formerly the event director at Hay House for over a decade, Nancy is the creator of Levin Life Coach Academy and Destination Me, offering in-depth coaching and training programs designed to support students and clients to make themselves a priority by setting boundaries that stick. Welcome to the Self Care Club. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Can we start with where you begin your book? It's what you call an ouch moment. And Nicole and I talked about this on a couple of episodes where you say you're crossing your own boundaries in your life. Nobody can cross your boundaries unless you allow it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, This to me is really the foundational piece of this whole book and of the whole concept of working with boundaries that really busts a myth that other people are crossing our boundaries. So in all my years of coaching, I will constantly hear so-and-so crossed my boundaries. And what's become really clear to me is that if our boundaries are being crossed, we are the one crossing our own boundaries. And what this really does ultimately is move us out of blame and victim into responsibility and empowerment. So if we can really, you know, take responsibility for the fact that it's up to us to not only set our boundaries, but also to maintain our boundaries. So again, it's also not up to anyone else to uphold, respect, or even honor our boundaries. It's up to us. Yep. Yeah, I love it. I find that so much more empowering, isn't it? Rather than just blaming somebody else, because I've had a discussion with a few people about that and they were adamant that this was just not the case. And I said to them, but is that more empowering? Because if it's up to you to set your own, then you get to create whatever you want in your life and what you don't want. That surely makes life a little bit easier. And that's, you know, to me, that's what's really important here because, you know, first of all, And maybe I'll just sort of add in here, the way that I define boundaries is uh, our boundaries are the limits that we set. So the limits we set around what we will or will not do, will or will not tolerate, will or will not accept. And our boundaries are very personal. So my boundaries are first and foremost between me and me, even if they involve another person. Mm. So again, reinforcing this idea that it's up to us to know our limits, to name them, at least to ourselves, not every boundary needs to be verbalized, (laughs) but at least name the boundary to ourselves and then uphold it. And most people I find have this notion that boundaries are restrictive or constrictive or depriving in some way. And I really look at boundaries as being expansive. Wow! So boundaries are the way that we are also carefully choosing and consciously curating the content of our lives. I love that. Yeah. 
How do you know if you are a person who needs to set boundaries in your life? What what would be some common issues that clients would come to you with and you'd be like, dude, you really need to start setting some boundaries here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the telltale signs a boundary needs to be put into place is resentment rising. Uh So resentment will all would will often begin to rise in different aspects. If we are feeling taken advantage of, which really means that we haven't drawn a line, we haven't set a boundary. Uh, If we are saying yes, more than saying no and saying yes, when we want to say no, Mm, another signal, a boundary needs to be put into place. And also if we're really living in a, in a way where we are other referenced, where we are essentially checking in with everyone else around us before we know how we feel, you know, codependency really, you know, are we looking for someone else to regulate us emotionally? Are we waiting to take someone else's temperature before we know how we feel? I I wanted you to talk about that a bit because that was actually one of the questions that we wrote. But you you explain it in the book because most people, when they hear codependency, they think about someone who's enabling an addiction, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. that's exactly how you explain it. It's like it's checking in like how... I'm not sure how I am because I'm not sure how how you are. Right. And And in some ways, it's enabling our own addiction to not knowing. Right. And enabling our own addiction to allowing someone else to have more influence over us than we have over ourselves. So for anyone who has identified as a people pleaser, a peacekeeper, a conflict avoider, someone who doesn't want to rock the boat, it's really a foreign concept to consider ourselves first. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, (laughs) you know, it's really, it's really turning the ship around. So, you know, if, if you're someone who's used to being in the loop in your head of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's another way that the codependency will, will present. And it's another way to know that we need to set some boundaries. So I look at this really as sort of, like a three-tier progression. Mm -hmm. So the first is, are you willing to give yourself permission to consider your own needs at least as much as you're considering the needs of everyone else? So baseline, at least as much. Yep. At Um, least as much. Yeah. Yeah. At least as much. And even that can cause some kind of, you know, reaction. Yeah. And then, you know, are you willing to give yourself permission to consider your own needs even more than you consider the needs of everyone else. And then really the boundary ninja move is, are you willing to give yourself permission to consider your needs first? Oh, boundary ninja move. That's amazing. Nancy, how do we go? Because the word that is coming into my head, and I know know if it's coming into mine, it's coming into every other woman. Selfish, selfish, (laughs) selfish. I love it. Yes, of course. We're inbred as women Mm -hmm. to feel that, Mm -hmm us coming first is selfish, but right? But isn't it time to start readdressing the word selfish and having... Bingo. It, ah, thanks. <laughs> oh, I get a sticker. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that part of the problem that we still see selfish as such a negative thing when actually it can yes. be very important and honorable to put your own needs first? 
Yes. So I'm really on my soapbox about reclaiming selfishness because I, first of all, see selfish self-care and self-love as three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. Oh, I love it. I, yes. I also, you know, we have been, we have been singing the praises of selfless. Yes. If you take that word selfless, no self. Yes. We yes. disappear. We yes. vanish. Yes. So it's not necessarily about the either or. It's not about selfish or selfless. It's that we have the capacity to hold both. And there are times that we, you know, it's the old adage of put the oxygen mask on yourself yep. first. Yeah. We need to consider ourselves because what is happening is, you know, and I share this as a metaphor, but I have heard from people who say that is literally me. You know, we're so used to setting the table with the, you know, lace cloth and the fine china and the heirloom silver and the crystal and the big juicy steak or the big juicy tofu. And we make sure everyone has what they need. And then we stand in the kitchen in the dark and eat the leftovers over the sink. We need to start giving ourselves not only a seat at the table, but a seat at the head of the table. We need to be part of the conversation of our lives. We need to take center stage of yeah. our own lives. My best yeah. friend, who's a consultant endocrinologist, she, she made a very big deal of working her way up to the job that she now does. And she always says to me, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. <laughs> that is amazing mm -hmm. that is true I know. you're either eating or being eaten which one do you mm -hmm. choose love it sit right. at the table yeah 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 how do you because when you implement boundaries it can create a reaction in other people and sometimes the people that you love how do you make your peace with that and, and do you make your peace with that or is that just part of acceptance the way you make your peace is by really starting to get comfortable with discomfort. So mm. recognizing that we're choosing short-term discomfort over long-term resentment. Yes, I love mm. that. Also recognizing a few things here. One is that when we're evolving and making changes in our lives and the people around us either don't like it, you know, we're, we're changing the rules of engagement yes. of the relationship. Yes. yes. And they may be very invested in us staying the way that we've always been, but we also might be holding up a mirror to them about the ways in which they're not evolving or not growing or not changing. And that might be confronting to them. Yep. We also have to look in this, in this case and recognize that there will always be a consequence to setting a boundary and not setting a boundary. Oh, so we have yes. to really weigh, you know, there may be a boundary I've identified wanting to set. And am I willing to be with the consequences of setting it? Or am I willing to be with the consequences of not setting yeah. it? What's more important to me? What's my priority? Yeah. And then I would say, thirdly, really recognizing the ways in which we have historically crossed our own boundaries in order to stay in a relationship. So what I have found is that most of us, yes, right? Breathe. Yes. <laughs> most of us, when we, when, we, when we fear conflict, when we fear conflict, we think we are trying to avoid a fight. 
or a confrontation. Yes. But the truth of the matter is it's much deeper than that. When we're fearing conflict, what we're really fearing is that the relationship itself doesn't hold water. And we are really not ready to look at the choices we may need to make. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that a lot of us prefer just to kind of be uh, uncomfortable and sit in like the internal discomfort rather than have an actual out there conflict because you kind of sit with your own stuff and that's your stuff and it's private and it's okay. But when it comes out of you, you don't have control over how that's going to pan out. Right. So what happens is the more we avoid external conflict, the more internal conflict we create. And what does that do? What does that do to you if you're sitting with all that internal discomfort? So first we create chaos in our lives when we don't tell the truth. So When we are, and and the other thing is we're so used to taking the hit in our lives. Yes. So we would rather feel the discomfort within than be the quote unquote cause of any discomfort Hmm. for anyone else. Yes. But here's the important (laughs) point I want to make. We can't make someone else angry. We can't make someone else disappointed. We can't make someone else happy. They can choose the emotion that they feel based on their response, based on the impact of our truth, but it's not our responsibility to manage someone else's response to our truth. So another way we often cross our own boundary is crossing that threshold between, you know, my territory and yours, where I might try to come in and start meddling and manipulate and try to control how you feel, you know, or try to manage your emotions or try to manage your experience. That's another way we often cross our own boundaries. Yes. Mm. Majorly, especially for women. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. a lot of Mm -hmm. clients and friends actually saying to me that they're, oh no, I don't like conflict or no, I don't like confrontation. If I'm kind of trying to encourage them to speak up for themselves and ask for what it is that they want. And why, why is that? Why do we automatically assume by standing in what we want or what we don't want in terms of boundaries, why do women automatically go to that's going to cause a confrontation so I can't go there or that's going to cause a conflict so I can't go there? Is that part of the problem? Is that why we're struggling to step into our boundaries so much? Yes. And I think, you know, it wasn't necessarily encouraged. We didn't see it modeled most of us, I mean, and and it's a sweeping generalization, but I'd say most of us didn't see it modeled. I also believe we were given certain messaging that we imprinted around, you know, don't be too big for your britches or don't be too, no one likes someone so confident or cocky or, you know, don't shine too bright or don't be too big or don't be too loud. You know, so we started also receiving and imprinting the messages around it's safe to be silent or it's safe to be invisible or it's safe to go to go with the flow. You know, whatever kept us safe as a child becomes the seed of our self-sabotage as an adult. So it's also about the rewiring. And so, you know, we, we have to start doing this on a really sort of micro level mm-hmm. when, when it's new for us. So the first steps really are to notice where the antenna is putting attention on everything outside of us. You know, what do they think? What do they need? What do they feel? What do they want? 
and really reorient the antenna within. What do I think? What do I want? What do I need? What do I feel? And start there. Be, you know, what are my non-negotiables? What do I need? What can I live without? What am I willing to, to do or not do? You know, really checking in around this and, you know, really looking at sort of the first quote unquote, simple ways we can activate this. So even for example, one of the most common things that I find, you know, is prevalent, especially with women, you know, someone might say, what do you want for dinner? And what, what's the normal, rea- what's the natural reaction? I don't care. What do you want? Of course. So even to take something as simple as that and, and really take a moment to say, huh, what do I want? I want sushi. Okay. I want sushi. I want someone else to make it. That's what I want. (laughs) Right. I'm with you. But you know what I'm saying? But to really check in with what do I want? Mm. And that alone, just even tapping into desire is so confronting for so many. What do I actually want? Especially if you're someone like me, who really prided myself for decades on having no wants and needs, independent, self-sufficient. And I really sublimated all my wants and needs and desires in service of fulfilling everyone else's. Yeah. And so looking at the ways that I can allow my own desire to come back online. I just think that if you keep doing that, for a number of years, you must eventually get to a point where actually you don't really know what you want anymore or what you need mm-hmm. or because mm-hmm. you, you've just forgotten it. You've lost your yourself, your literal self. Yes. yes. And I will say that, you know, this very much happened for me, especially in my marriage. You know, I, I really did. I, you know, I, my, I lost myself inside my marriage and it wasn't until I was separated and I was sitting in my own space that I began to create what I call a desire list. And I actually, in my book, Worthy, I have a great exercise called 50 Desires, mm-hmm. which, really, uh, which, which really invites you to write for yourself a list of 50 desires for yourself. And we're, not, we're also not used to wanting things for ourselves because we've either convinced ourselves we can't have what we want. So we already shut down our wanting, which really ultimately shuts down our ability to receive. Yes. Yes. We, you know, we also are so used to wanting things for other people instead of wanting things for ourselves. And we've disconnected from wanting a thing, quote unquote, to the feeling we're actually desiring. So in that exercise that I, that I take you through, there's a, we start to connect, you know, I might say, oh, I want a private jet, but what I really want is freedom. Mm. And what are the things I can do to cultivate the experience of freedom? So we, we really need to start giving ourselves permission to want and to have and to receive And also, you know, something else that comes up often around this is to allow our envy, to allow our jealousy to inform us of what's possible. 
<laughs> because if someone else has it, it means we can have it as well. Life is not a zero-sum game. If you have, it doesn't mean I go without. If I have, it doesn't mean you go without. And so there really is a big shift around our mindset for this. Yeah. What was your aha moment, if you can tell us? I know you do talk about it in the book, but when did you know that things had to shift and change for you? For me, the significant moment, you know, was really ultimately making the decision to leave my marriage. And, you know, all the gory details are in all my books, but, but this, the, the particular moment, you know, I was the breadwinner and I was kicked out of the house that I bought and paid for five times by my now ex-husband. And the fifth time I did not go back. And that was really the first boundary that I set and held. Wow. It's a big one. Yeah. It's a big one. It was a really yes. big one. It's bigger than it was sushi, very big. Nancy. A little bigger than sushi. <laughs> it's bigger than sushi. Yeah. It was humongous. Yeah. And it was, you know, and I was, you know, at the time I was like 45 years old. You know, I was not a kid. Yeah. And I'd never in my life set and held a boundary before. Wow. wow. It's a pretty big one to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. We, we, Nicole and I, one of our favorite things that we say quite often and I thought of it because you say it in the book as well. No is a full sentence. Yes. I mean, I just, we love it. But also I wanted to ask you a bit about the importance of not over explaining. And yes. I really like that bit about, I think it was the woman whose relationship had ended and her family were all in her business and they kept asking her, what happened? What happened? What happened? And she just kept trotting out the same party line. <laughs> it yes. wasn't working. I don't really want to yes. discuss it. And, and everyone got That's so right. bored that they just stopped asking her. But That's uh, right. you're very good at that, Nicole. You're very good at like not over explaining. This is my answer. That's it. I like to just go on and this is why. And that's how I... Blah, 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 blah. So I wanted to talk a bit about that. How do you just say no? Don't over explain? Yes. So it's really, it's really about being able to say no with grace and gratitude and not with you know, apology or explanation or excuses. So, you know, I often will hear from people, you know, I want to say no, but I don't have a good reason to say no. We don't need a reason. We don't need a reason to say no. Just that already makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need a reason. So we can say, thanks so much for thinking of me. I'm not available. Or, you know, I appreciate the invitation this doesn't work for me or this, you know, or I'm prioritizing other things in my life right now, whatever it might be, but we don't need to make an apology. Yeah. And we don't need to give a whole dog ate my homework excuse. (laughs) We don't need to give a whole song and a dance. We don't really owe anything, anyone, anything. We don't owe anyone anything. Well, I've got an example that I'd like to, I'd really like your opinion on. And I'm sure other people have have been here before. So there was uh, someone in my life who I'm very fond of. She's lovely. Um, She's never done anything wrong to me. And I just, for whatever reason, couldn't really, I didn't want to keep making time for her in my life. Mm -hmm. It's really as simple as that. There was nothing wrong with her. I just wanted to invest my time elsewhere. You see, I'm over-justifying it already. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. So every time she asked me, shall we meet for coffee, Um, I I would kind of fob it off and say, yeah, love to. I'll get back to you next week. Things are a bit hectic. And eventually, 
she just stopped asking. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that is mm-hmm. not me like, sort of in my integrity and being honest and kind and everything else. I, I, that's a cowardly way of sort of removing her from my life. What would your advice be around this kind of situation, which we all get into, don't we? It can get quite sticky. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, you have to really check with yourself. Do I want to, do I actually want to, you know, pursue a breakup, so to speak, which is what it is, right? Do I actually want to pursue, you know, telling, telling the full truth and going into all the details? Or, you know, it might even simply be instead of put, here's, here's the difference. Instead of, um, you know, maybe next week or something like that, instead of sort of dangling the carrot, exactly. Take responsibility by saying, you know, I'm going through something right now, or I'm, I'm reassessing some things in my life and, and I'll reach out to you if, and when I'm ready. Oh, that would have been great. But Something like that where you take it on you. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other piece of taking response. You, so you're not pointing a finger no. and, you know, saying like, I don't want to be your friend anymore or you suck or whatever, <laughs> but you know, but you're really just taking responsibility for, you know, I'm, I'm reevaluating some things right now and I'm, I need some time for myself and I'll reach out, you know, if, and when I'm ready. Thanks. I feel and, like I need to write that down. That, it can <laughs> yeah. be that simple. Yeah. But that, this is the thing. The, the fewer words, the better is yes. what I find. Yes. Less is we, more. Less is more. Yeah. We will, you know, get ourselves into some big word scramble. And before we know it, we don't even know what the intention was. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I mm-hmm. just had this conversation with my husband about a work situation I'm in. And he was like, I was like, I'm going to say this and I'm going to send that. And he went, do you know what I think you should say? Well, he said, nothing. What do you mean? He said, nothing, because it's going to self-resolve. You don't yeah. need to say anything. Your silence speaks volumes, you know. Yes. And so that's the other thing, you know, back when I said, are we in this loop in our head of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay? We're anywhere but the present moment. Yes. We're stuck in the past fear or future worry. Yes. We are, we are in many ways creating even more discomfort. Yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes saying nothing is, is all that needs to be said. Simply saying no, really checking in. That's the other piece around the no question. You know, what I find as well is that most of us go into the knee jerk. Yes. So a direct request comes in, we don't even think about it or breathe or pause. And we just say yes. And here's why we say yes. We say yes out of obligation. Yep. Mm-hmm. We say yes out of a feeling of responsibility. We mm-hmm. say yes because we don't want someone else to be mad or yep. upset or disappointed. Yep. We say yes because we want to be the hero. Yep. All of the above. <laughs> and here's the deal. A yes should really only be in response to desire. Oh, you just gave me goosebumps. We have to give ourselves a pause. So I will often tell clients, if a direct request comes in and you can say no right off the bat, say no. If you're not ready to say no, simply say, I will get back to you tomorrow. Yeah. So first of all, someone else's urgency is not ours. So we deserve... That is... Can you say that again, please? That's... That's gold. Yes. Someone else's urgency is not ours. I might get that tattooed. (laughs) 
Yes, for sure. Hair across my right? forehead. So, but, but we all know that feeling. We all know that feeling of, oh my God, they need to know. I need to say yes. I need to do something. And where's that coming from? I want to be liked. I want to be loved. I want to feel safe. You know, yeah. it's attached to something. Yeah. So we don't, we don't want to tie our sense of worth and value and love and safety to what we do or say or produce or achieve. Love it. So that's, we need to give ourselves, we need to give ourselves space to pause, to really consider, do I really want to do this? Is this really a yes for me? Because we all know what it's like to say yes and then see something sitting in our calendar and think, how Uh, the hell am I going to get out of this now? Yeah. Yeah. Saying no creates a scenario where you don't have anything that you don't want to do. Beautiful. Loving it. Isn't that powerful? Very. (laughs) Very. So powerful. So this is a question that we ask all our guests who come Mm -hmm. to self-care club. What do you do for your own self-care? I have a very, uh, I have a very uh, lovely for me ritual around going to sleep and waking up. So in the evening, I take a very hot shower. I get into bed with my phone on airplane mode. I wake up. So no notifications are available to me. I go right to my meditation cushion and then I journal. And then when I'm ready for what's waiting for me on my phone or my Wi-Fi, I will turn that back on. Mm-hmm. And that is a non-negotiable for me. That is every single night of my life, no matter where I am. I've been doing it now for over five years. It has been a game changer. I love that. When, when I'm ready, I shall let the yeah. world in. Mm-hmm. That's yes. the that's the Ariana Huffington uh, method. We did yeah. a we did a, a week of yeah. sleep of good of, yes. of sleep yes. hygiene a few weeks ago, yes. and she's very very strict. Yes, about her. We didn't her really do ritual. a week of sleep hygiene. We both failed miserably at our week we of sleep miserably. hygiene. <laughs> we did the, We knew what we were supposed to be doing. Right. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do. <laughs> we as we they were... say, if we. If we did all the things we knew were good for us, what? We'd all be like rich, thin, and happy or That's something like that. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> That's right. absolutely brilliant. But screw that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Nancy, finally, for everyone listening at home and wants to know more about where they can find you, more about your work, where are you? Everything is on my website, nancylevin.com. You can find my social media handles. You can find details about all of my books, including my latest setting boundaries will set you free oh nancy thank you so much you are i could honestly you are wise beyond words and you are such a pleasure to have here at the club thank you so much for gifting us your book and for your wisdom and time here today oh my pleasure i look forward to the day i can fly across the pond and have a hug with you both (laughs) lauren is convinced i did say this before recording but lauren did send me a text a couple of weeks ago telling me how nancy levin is basically her best friend she just doesn't know it yet (laughs) yeah she's just she's coming to the club she's coming for dinner she won't say no it won't be a no I want to get the song. I'm reprioritizing my, uh, my life right. right now. I, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> Thank you for being Thanks here, Nancy. Thanks so much, Nancy. You're welcome. You're welcome.
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 